Live by every word. That is the challenge and the opportunity the Bible gives to you. This program examines the actual words that have proceeded out of the mouth of God Himself so we can use them to guide our paths and live by them in our everyday lives. This is Live by Every Word. Thanks for joining me here today on Live by Every Word. I'm Dwight Falk. This is Trumpet Radio 101.3 KPCG. We're online at kpcg.fm, and we have a live link at thetrumpet.com. All of our programming is available in podcast form there at thetrumpet.com or at kpcg.fm. So we appreciate you listening at those various locations. At the time of this broadcast, we just recently passed the 20th anniversary of those horrific attacks of September 11th, 2001. And you'll recall that the World Trade Centers were hit and also the uh, Pentagon. And of course, there were other deaths related to that day with uh, some airplanes and just a horrible day altogether. And uh, many of us remember that and, and lived through the the time and seeing those things happen. And so people are reflecting on that and looking back at the last 20 years. But as we look back over these last two decades, what has changed in the world? I mean, has the world become more peaceful? Um, Is there more unity? Have we learned how to have peace between individuals and nations? Well, I think we could all agree that we've not learned the way to peace yet. And so what stands in the way? What stands in the way of really having peace and unity? How come we can't figure out how to get along with each other? Well, the answer simply is that Satan is still the God of this world. You can see that in 2 Corinthians 4 and verse 4. He's still the God of this world. Now, that's not something that you hear talked about very often, but it's the truth, and it's the cause of the problems that we see. And let's notice something about Satan the devil. This is in John 8. We have a few passages today, so if you have a Bible handy, it'd be great to get it out. We could take a look at these together. John 8 and verse 44, this is Christ talking, and he's giving some pretty strong correction here and really getting to the heart of the issue. And he says, You are of your father the devil, and the lusts of your father you will do, or you will to do them. He was a murderer from the beginning, and he abode not in the truth, because there is no truth in him, and when he speaks a lie, he speaks of his own, for he is a liar and the father of it. So Christ shows us here that Satan is the author of murder and lying. Ephesians 2 and verse 2 shows us that Satan is called the prince of the power of the air. He's the prince of the power of the air. In other words, he broadcasts moods and attitudes. And and these attitudes and these moods are, are attitudes of vanity, of lying, of murderous impulses, self-centeredness. And Christ also showed in this passage that most people follow Satan, even though they don't realize it. But he says very clearly, you are of your father, the devil. Now, who's he talking to? Well, anybody that's following their lusts, anybody that's lying, anybody that has hatred. 
That comes from Satan. If someone is lying and full of envy and full of hatred and self-centeredness and vanity, and again, those are things that everybody battles against, but if we're giving in to those impulses, then what are we doing? Well, Christ is clear. If we're doing that, then we're following the will of the devil. That's why the world is in the condition that it's in today. That's what motivates the hatred and the ultimately killing that occurs at times. So the world cannot learn the way to peace until Satan the devil is removed. And he will be removed. And he's going to be removed soon. God's annual Holy Day of Atonement pictures the removal of Satan the devil. I don't know if you've heard much about the Day of Atonement. Some people have and others have not. This is a holy day. This is a day that God told us to keep. Not just in ancient Israel, but today. And it pictures something so important and so essential. It pictures the removal of Satan the devil. We can't have world peace. We can't have unity until we remove the devil. And of course, Christ has to do that. But that's, that's what has to occur. Satan has to be removed. Or else we can't have the peace and the unity that we all want. Most people, anyway, want that. Notice this quote. This is from the Herbert W. Armstrong College Bible Correspondence Course. This is a free Bible course lesson, and it's at thetrumpet.com. And if you don't have it, if you haven't gone through it, please sign up for it. It's free, and it'll really open up a lot of these fascinating subjects in the Bible that a lot of people don't really look at. And it'll give you some answers that I think uh, you'll find very helpful. But it says, For 6,000 years, Satan has invisibly swayed the nations. He has influenced civilizations, governments, and leaders. He has inspired world wars and helped cause the misery, hate, suffering, and violence that have plagued mankind throughout history. Satan has done that. He's invisibly swayed the nations. And, of course, many people would say, oh, come on, you know, I don't, I don't see that. Of course they don't see it because it's invisibly happened. But what inspires it? What's the attitude? What's the feeling that motivates those types of things? Well, it's, it's hatred. It's lying. It's murder. It's what Christ talked about. And he said, look, that comes from Satan. That mood, that attitude, that impulse that's negative and self-centered and wants to take from somebody else and will do anything to get it, that mindset, that comes from the devil. But again, as atonement shows us, thankfully Satan is about to be removed so that he can no longer sway mankind to lie and to murder and to get into all the terrible things that unfortunately we see throughout mankind's history. Now the Day of Atonement is God's fifth annual Sabbath. This day pictures the deposing of Satan from his position as a world ruler, and Christ will replace him and rule this earth with the government of God. See, there won't be a power vacuum. There'll be a replacement. Christ is coming to replace Satan and rule this earth with the government of God. Notice Revelation 20. Here's a prophecy 
about what's going to happen to Satan. And this has not happened yet, but it's about to. Revelation 20, and let's look at verses 1 through 3. It says, And I saw an angel come down from heaven, having the key of the bottomless pit, and a great chain in his hand. And he laid hold on the dragon, that old serpent, which is the devil, and Satan, and bound him a thousand years, and cast him into the bottomless pit, and shut him up, and set a seal upon him that he should deceive the nations no more, till a thousand years should be fulfilled, and after that he must be loosed a little season. So he'll be loosed a little season, and then he'll be, he'll be um, put away there permanently. But we can see here that when Satan is bound, he will no longer be able to deceive the nations. So clearly deceiving the nations is what Satan is doing today. His removal will stop that. But that's what's occurring now. The nations are being deceived by Satan. And that's why we see so much violence and lying and hatred. And that's why the world hasn't improved in the 20 years since 9-11. Not really. I mean, maybe people could find something they think has improved. But overall, it hasn't. We don't see the end to wars. We don't see peace. We see more violence and we see actually more threat of war. Satan has to be put away, and he will be. And he won't deceive the nations anymore. Ancient Israel, they pictured the removal of Satan as well by keeping the Day of Atonement. And they did it in a unique way. And we notice this in Leviticus 16, which talks about a lot of what was done there on the Day of Atonement. Leviticus 16 and verse 20. And as we go through this, it'll sound a lot like what we read in Revelation 20 because it is the same event that's being talked about. Leviticus 16 and verse 20 says, And when he has made an end of reconciling the holy place and the tabernacle of the congregation and the altar, he shall bring the live goat, and Aaron shall lay both his hands upon the head of the live goat and confess over him all the iniquities of the children of Israel and all their transgressions and all their sins, putting them upon the head of the goat, and shall send him away by the hand of a fit man into the wilderness. And the goat shall bear upon him all their iniquities unto a land not inhabited, and he shall let go the goat in the wilderness. So this again was done to typify Satan being put away. Satan is a spirit, and he cannot die, right? This goat, it was let go. It just was let go. See, Satan's going to be put away to where he can no longer influence people, right? That's what happened here. That's what happened with ancient Israel. That's what they were depicting. The goat wasn't killed. It was taken to a land not inhabited. As this Azazel goat pictured, Satan is ultimately responsible for all sin. He's the author of sin, right? Christ talked about that. Mankind still has their guilt, of course, in sin, but Christ paid the penalty in our stead so we can repent and be forgiven. There can be an atonement made for us. We can be made at one with God. And again, we have to repent and change, but then Christ shed blood covers those sins and they are forgiven. But Satan, you see, he has to bear his guilt. 
He was a liar and a murderer from the beginning, just like Christ said. And he will continue to broadcast those evil impulses and moods until he is stopped from broadcasting. He's not going to change. He has to be restrained, stopped, and he will be stopped. And so ancient Israel was depicting that. They were depicting that. Satan broadcasts vanity and selfishness. But the Day of Atonement shows that he's going to be put away. He's going to be put away. And we also learn from the Day of Atonement how we can combat Satan's broadcasting today. There's a way to combat that and to fight against it and to conquer it. Notice this in Leviticus 16 here, a little further ahead in verse 29. It says, And this shall be a statute forever unto you. So, okay, this is forever. This wasn't something that was done away. This is forever. That in the seventh month, on the tenth day of the month, you shall afflict your souls and do no work at all, whether it be one of your own country or a stranger that sojourns among you. And here's what the correspondence course says about these scriptures that we've read. It says the Levitical rituals, even though they clearly pictured the meaning of the Day of Atonement, are no longer performed. And you can read about that in Hebrews 9, verses 8 through 14, and Hebrews 10, verses 1 through 4, and 10 through 14. So the goat and the sacrifice and taking the other goat out to the, the, the land not inhabited, those things aren't done anymore. But the Day of Atonement is still kept. The quote says, but God's church does fast on this annual holy day. And it says, why are the sacrifices obsolete, yet the fasting is not? The difference between them is that the rituals were commanded to be performed by the priests as a type of the sacrifice of the death of the Messiah or Christ. But fasting was commanded for the entire congregation. See, fasting is something that we're still to do today on the Day of Atonement and other times as well, but it is commanded on the Day of Atonement. Well, fasting is vitally important. Fasting humbles us and it draws us closer to God. Christ fasted when he was on this earth. He fasted before he battled and conquered Satan. Notice this in Matthew 4. See, we talked about earlier, 2 Corinthians 4, where Satan is the god of this world. Well, he had to be replaced. And even though Christ hasn't come and replaced him yet, he's qualified to replace him. And he had to overcome and conquer Satan to qualify to replace him, and he did that. And fasting was an important part of that. Matthew 4 here, verses 1 and 2. It says, Then was Jesus led up of the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. So he had to have this, this battle. And verse 2 says, And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he was afterward and hungered. And then you can go on and read the rest of that battle there, and, and uh, Christ wins, qualifies to replace Satan. But he fasted. Now, again, he fasted, Christ fasted 40 days and 40 nights. He was in perfect physical condition. He never broke a law of God, physically or spiritually. He was in perfect physical condition, and he could do this. Today, this would not be possible. 
it would be a very rare occurrence. I, I don't know that anybody could do it. I've read some books where people have tried some things like this, which obviously would not be recommended, and they, they couldn't do it. Um, so, again, God only requires a 24-hour fast from sunset to sunset on the Day of Atonement. And, and then, of course, throughout the year, there are times, too, where people can fast of their own choosing, and usually it's about 24 hours. So Christ set a, uh, an example for us in fasting, but yet he did it much longer, but he was in perfect condition. So that's always important to note. But the principle of fasting is that uh, it humbles us. It humbles us. It draws us closer to God. The correspondence course makes this point. It says fasting should help us get closer to God, to spend more time studying his word, more time in prayer and meditation, striving to learn God's will, desiring to obey. See, really wanting to obey God. And it's not just a matter of not eating or drinking for a certain period of time and just sitting around. I mean, it's, it's really spending time then getting closer to God. It says fasting should humble us to help us be willing to yield to God's will, whether it be according to our own desires or not. See, Christ set the perfect example in that. He always submitted to his Father's will, even, even when it was challenging, of course, right, when he was about to be crucified. It says fasting shows us how dependent we are on food and water. It reveals how much we love ourselves and how difficult it is to give up uh, some of self. Right? It's Satan broadcasts that vanity, and fasting counteracts that. It says when we get hungry, we find that we are very carnal-minded. You know, we're interested in the things of the flesh. Fasting is a test to see which we will put first. Will it be the lust of the flesh or the sincere desire to get closer to God? See, we're talking about why there are problems on this earth. And it's because Satan's the God of this world. As atonement shows us, Satan will be replaced. He'll be put away. And, of course, the Feast of Trumpets pictures Christ's return, and then atonement pictures Satan being put away. God's government will rule this earth. God needs people that are going to help. They're going to help Christ rule, and they're going to be humble, and they're going to be individuals that have learned to do God the Father's will and not the will of Satan the devil. Whose will do we try to do today? Are we doing Satan's will, or are we doing God the Father's? It's going to be one or the other. And if we're carnally minded and we're minding the things of the flesh, we're going to be going the way of Satan. So this is about leadership. This is about developing the character to fix the problems in this world by implementing the government of God. And the Day of Atonement has so much meaning and pictures this for us. The removal of Satan. And then what's left? Jesus Christ and the government of God and people that have learned to follow God's will. See, God needs people who are humble, who will do his will, not the will of Satan the devil. The world today is full of violence and lying because most people do the will of Satan. Satan is still the God of this world. But the Day of Atonement shows us that God has a plan to put Satan and his broadcasting away, to stop that. 
and then Christ will rule with the government of God on this earth. Those who learn to humbly follow God today are going to be there to help Christ rule. They're going to rule with Christ. And that godly rule will bring peace. It will bring blessings. It will bring benefits to everybody. It's good news for everybody. Everyone should be thrilled to see the Day of Atonement fulfilled and to see Satan put away. Because then finally we can have peace. We can have blessings. We can have all the wonderful things that God wants to give to mankind. Once Christ returns and Satan is put away, man will finally learn the ways of peace and prosperity and will benefit everyone. If you'd like to learn more about the Day of Atonement and all of God's holy days, please sign up for the Herbert W. Armstrong College Bible Correspondence Course. It's free. You can sign up at thetrumpet.com. Or you can request and read our free booklet, Pagan Holidays or God's Holy Days, which that also, like all of our material, is free and it's available at thetrumpet.com. That's all the time we have for today on this edition of Live By Every Word. Thank you for spending some of your time with me. I'm Dwight Falk. Until next time, let's all strive to more perfectly live by every word of God. You've been listening to Live by Every Word on Trumpet Radio 101.3 KPCG and online at kpcg.fm and thetrumpet.com.